Is it still a man's world or have we actually turned the tide of equality in the workplace? My name is Tom and on the podcast today, we ask, how would you know how high the glass ceiling is? Welcome to the USQ podcast, asking the big questions of the people who are in the know. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional owners of these lands, the Jagera, Yugara, and Ugarabal peoples of Ipswich and Springfield, where this podcast is recorded as keepers of ancient knowledge and whose cultures and customs continue to nurture this land. I also pay respect to elders, past, present, and future. Today's question is a big one, and here to discuss it with me is a woman who knows a lot more about being a woman than I do. Uh, She's Project and Change Manager at Glencore, co-founder and chair of Women in Power, a professional speaker and USQ MBA alumna. Welcome to the podcast, Penelope Twemlo. Thank you very much, Thomas. Great to be here. Um, Now, before we get into uh, today's topic, what is Women in Power and uh, how did it come about? Uh, Women in Power is an organisation that myself and three other incredible women founded uh, a couple of years ago uh, because we found that there was a need, particularly in the electro-technology industries, for women to be advanced and empowered through those industries. There was a severe lack of women, particularly from a trade perspective, and then working their way up from trade into senior management positions. So now it's an organisation that provides dedicated training, coaching and mentoring from primary school students all the way up to women who are already in industry and need some advice or assistance to make their way up into senior management. Some fantastic work coming through there. So I guess I have some questions about some cliches that get thrown around a lot. Um, So I'll start with the obvious one. Do you think the glass ceiling still exists? And what does that look like in a modern day context? Look, for years women have fought for their rights. Once women gained rights in society, including the right to vote in 1928, um, they were no longer willing to be treated, I guess, as second-class citizens in the home or in the workplace. In the 1960s, it was public opinion that women should be entitled to equal pay and actually be seen as equals as well. But the feminist movement essentially hasn't achieved its end goal of complete equality. So right now, I don't think or I doubt that the glass ceiling has been shattered, um, it is still very much evident. And women still encounter gender bias and barriers to leadership ascension, segregation in the workplace, things like that. But I would also like to believe that the work being done in this area is actually ensuring that there are little cracks emerging in the glass rather than it still being completely or entirely intact. And a good way of determining just how far we've come is to look at the women that we see in the workplace today and and how they compare historically to women who have worked previously. Uh, And things like workforce participation rates and underemployment, percentages of women who are working full-time compared to women who are working part-time, the increased numbers of women who are now working, who have families, who didn't previously, things like that, they're all showing in some respects some minor improvement, but I still believe that there is a lot of work to be done. Uh, Another cliche to throw into the mix is the swinging pendulum, Um, of course the metaphor referring to the balance and hopefully getting towards a central equal point. So um, from what you've said there, obviously it's been a a long and hard-fought battle, but um, I I guess do you see some point in the near future reaching that equal point? 
But feminism today, essentially, the fight has changed, the stereotypes remain, and the cause will never die. We, we certainly do write about women experiencing workplace discrimination, gender pay gaps becoming illegal, plans to eradicate things like sexual harassment in the workplace, and how HR professionals now consider diversity a top priority. The, the research that has been released, the panels that are conducted, the legislation that's now been brought into effect, all certainly do paint a picture of the peaks and troughs of this progress. So on one hand, we certainly do hear and see that there are steps being taken towards closing equality, but we're certainly not there yet. And if you look at some of the research that's come out recently, just to get to pay equality is going to take us another 179 years. Wow. So, so if you look at things like that, we're certainly nowhere close. And on one hand, we hear frequent reports of gender disparity in leading firms, the lack of female representation, incidences of sexual harassment, discrimination against women. And then on the other hand, we hear things like emerging trends that indicate that people are making concerted efforts towards addressing these problems as they arrive. They're making them safer, better, more inclusive and more equal place for women. But it is, it is very easy for us to fall into a trap of thinking that now um, we're at a place where things are equal and that the quotas are being reached and, uh, uh, and that everything's right. Unfortunately, it's not. A few notable successes at the top of their professions, along with the removal of absolutely rigid obstacles, does not actually equate gender equality. One only has to follow very, very recent news stories, particularly things like the Harvey Weinstein story, mm. uh, that exemplify that the gender gaps and equality and diversity are certainly not there yet. Each day we do see positive change and in instances that we can take the cause um, further, but we also see other instances where we seem to be taking three steps back instead of one step forward. And from a workplace perspective, women are clearly participating in greater numbers than ever before, but they're still not being compensated fairly and they're not necessarily being chosen to lead and to join those senior executive positions. So there's some ground to be made up. Um, now, obviously, you've you've been kind of seen as a, an example setter uh, and as somebody who has succeeded, um, particularly in some male dominant sort of roles and industries. You mentioned their modern day feminism and, and how that's kind of changed a little bit. And uh, I did actually want to touch on uh, what's been happening in the news recently with uh, the Hollywood scandals. Do you think celebrity influence and uh, high profile feminists do, I, I guess, has that had an influence on what feminism looks like today? Um, yes, man, no. The use of celebrities to promote causes and, and political campaigns has been around for some time. It's nothing new. And it is actually quite a fascinating topic. However, the level of influence celebrities have on policy making and actually affecting change on the ground is probably something that can be quite hotly debated. Celebrity influence and endorsements are a big deal. And in a cluttered world where we've got a myriad of messages that are fighting for our attention, celebrity endorsers uh, certainly do serve as arbiters of public opinion. So millions of people rely on the symbolic and the emotional features that generate associations to certain things. Now, some celebrities are seen to be so aspirational that even a glimpse of them in a protest or an ad or a cause campaign 
conveys a positive meaning and will assist to garner publicity, awareness and donations. And they're certainly able to motivate people to seek certain information or further information about these causes or even to take part. So that is good when we're talking about things like causes that further gender equity and equality. However, expertise is an important element when it comes to wanting to influence change. And credibility is another crucial factor that tells us that not all celebrities are equal. Those considered to be more credible have a higher influence on people's opinions and decisions. So overall, there is no doubt that celebrities are an effective tool in attracting people's attention to certain issues. But noise essentially is not the same thing as impact. We need them to have an impact, not just noise. I guess USQ have been cited by uh, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, or the WGEA, as an employer of choice for work promoting equality as an institution. Uh, and I guess uh, at organisations and as individuals, not all of us are celebrities, not all of us can make that noise. How do you suggest, firstly, organisations and then individuals, how do we go about making impact? Well, you, USQ are already making serious headway into supporting gender equality through a number of key elements. And one of those is becoming a WGEA employer of choice. Um, And they're doing things like having positive and open stakeholder engagement. They've got leadership accountability where they don't just underestimate the impact that senior individuals can have. They promote equality as a priority throughout the whole organisation, including senior management. They appoint senior diversity champions and they get involved in activities both locally and nationally. They communicate their diversity strategy, they measure and report regularly and that is they regularly undertake pay equity audits and reviews to ensure that compensation is fair against both sexes um, and diversity. They put gender progressive performance evaluations in place Um, They've got policies and processes that proactively address things like sexual harassment, discrimination, and ensure that they create an inclusive workplace culture. They've got a very good balance of gender composition. Their flexibility practices are second to none. They've got, um, or they ensure that flexible work is available to all employees at all levels of the organisation. They ensure that they design jobs, workflows, and careers that encompass flexibility. They've got very good talent pipeline and development processes available. But most importantly, they build a gender inclusive culture. So they they communicate regularly to raise awareness about the work that they're doing in the equity and diversity sphere. They have those champions who act as ambassadors and they take active participation in diversity networks across the state to make sure that what they're doing can be used as industry best practice. Students, uh, particularly who are at the university, who are looking at stepping into roles um, in the workplace in all sorts of areas, uh, how can they as individuals influence some change in their environment? As individuals, there's a myriad of things that we can do. Um, We can call out bad behaviour every single day and every time that we see it. We can encourage women to dare, to be bold, to take risks. They can act as a sponsor or mentor to someone who might need some expertise advice. They can not allow 
other team members to get away with demeaning behaviour and they can seek out to remove micro-inequities. They can refuse to serve on things that have single-sex panels at conferences. They can consider the daily working environment to see or determine if anything inappropriate is lurking and if there is, to do something about it. They can demand that every single person on campus undertakes mandatory unconscious bias training. They can call out teachers who tell girls they can't or shouldn't do maths and physics and STEM-related subjects. They cannot let bold people or bold males monopolise the conversation and they can ask about progression rates for girls in traditionally male-dominated subjects. They can nominate women for prizes and for fellowships and they can certainly tap women on the shoulder to encourage women to apply for opportunities that they wouldn't normally go for and they can be prepared to be a visible role model within social and community networks. But most importantly, they need to start thinking broadly and start making suggestions so that every single community that we work in becomes a more equitable and fair one. That sounds like um, there's, there's a lot that uh, students and uh, people in workplaces and all sorts of things can be doing right now to uh, influence change. Uh, Penelope, thanks very much for uh, coming on the podcast. That's all we have time for today. Um, obviously, you've spoken with us before in issue 55 of Hey You magazine, where you've spoken a little bit more about your personal career and some of your um, big achievements there. So I re- definitely recommend that listeners go and read that one. That's Hey You magazine at our social hub. But where can people... Uh, learn more about you and uh, say Women in Power as well. Perfect. Um, I'm available on all of those social media platforms. I don't pretend to know how to work them, but I'm on there. (laughs) Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and a couple of the others. My homepage is www.penelopetremlo.com. And then Women in Power is www.womeninpower.org.au. And if you've got any questions or queries or want to get in touch, just drop me a line via LinkedIn or get in touch with me via my homepage as well. Lovely. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. And, um, yeah, hopefully uh, students and and, um, workers alike have taken a lot away from what you've said today. And uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts and experiences. No problems, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Podbean to gain access to all of the podcasts in this series, as well as our other podcast, Unleash Your Career. You can also find the podcast and loads of other content for students on USQ's social hub, social.usq.edu.au. That's it for this episode. My name is Tom, and I'm looking forward to putting you more in the know next time.